You're listening to the Ohio Conference Cast, where we explore topics related to the workings of Ohio Conference. Here are your hosts, Bill Seymour and Thomas Dunn. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ohio Conference Cast. It's good to be back with you, and this is Thomas speaking, and I'm in the room with Bill Seymour. That's me. And Ralph Reinford. Good morning. And also, he doesn't have a mic, but the most important person in the room is Norm, and he's going to make us sound listenable. <laughs> That's right, because he can't make us sound good. <laughs> he can <laughs> I, just make the audio sound okay. I, I chose yeah. my words yeah. there, yeah. Nice job. So Ralph Reinford is sitting here with us, and he is our regional pastor in the eastern part of the state, but you're also regional pastoring elsewhere, aren't you? Are you a Methodist, or what? where else are you <laughs> regional pastoring? Well, yes. I cover three congregations in the West right now, too, because there's transition going on between Cliff Brubaker, who's the Western regional pastor, and uh, the churches that he's worshiping with and also planning to transition to serve, and that's Zion Mennonite in Archbold. So Cliff is going to be half-time regional pastor and then half-time staff person at... Well, I I think it may be like quarter-time staff at Zion. Okay, but for us, it's important that he's half-time regional pastor. So Ohio Conference has a total of a regional pastor and a half. (laughs) Is that correct? That's right. Can you get his left half or his right half? (laughs) That's a question for Cliff. That's really not a Ralph question. We we get all of Ralph. We have the full regional pastor. We have the full Ralph, yes. in In our midst right now. Yeah. So, Ralph, we wanted you to, to come in and join us and, and really just talk about, you know, what's what's it look like to be Ralph Reinford? What's a day in the life of Ralph look like? And what is a regional pastor's job? So, we know you're doing a lot and, and doing extra work now. So, yeah, where, where do we want to start with Ralph? Well, you brush your teeth in the morning. I did, and I brushed them for you this morning. <laughs> Great, thank you. I feel much better. <laughs> well, we probably don't want to talk too much about Ralph. I mean... You might get me going, you know, down the wrong rabbit trail there. So I think we're talking about my role as well, regional sure. pastor. Yeah, <laughs> isn't there a children's book, Ralph, down the rabbit hole? I think there ought to be a children's uh, book. You can <laughs> you can write one. Yeah, <laughs> the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. All right, this is you guys are not laughing at my jokes. <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> All right, so Ralph, what does a regional pastor do? My primary responsibility is to be pastor to pastors. So that really means that I'm available for the pastors in the eastern part of Ohio Conference, and that's about 30 congregations. So I have about 36 pastors because a couple of congregations have more than one. So I try to be available for them, meet one-on-one with them as they, they like, answer questions, give counsel and direction that type of thing. So you have 36 pastors that are kind of directly under your shepherding. So Uh, as a pastor, that sounds like a fairly reasonable amount of people to shepherd around, but it's a little more complicated as a regional pastor, isn't it? Right, because that's not the only responsibility. In fact, the last couple years without a conference minister, I've been taking some of that responsibility and so it allows less time for the one-on-one. It's not like you and I having people in our church that we pastor. He's also hiring all 36 of those when the vacancies are there. 
Right. And they're not all within a 10-mile circle, right? That's like, correct. Because I, yep. I know that you're taking a three-hour drive today to visit a pastor. <laughs> right. <laughs> three, right. Three hours. That's one, one way. way. Right. Yeah. That's one way. Yeah. I never have to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so oftentimes, it's uh, travel time involved, and you have to question the sense of driving three hours for one hour meeting or six hours sure. for one hour meeting but it seems the face-to-face contact is important yeah 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 i'm sure there's just certain things you can't do over the phone mm-hmm. but <laughs> comprehending what that thing is as you're driving six hours to do that thing <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so besides the one-on-one we have pastor peer gatherings which at this time, I just have two. I, okay. I had more before, but uh, with the uh, downsizing of conference a little bit, I have two, and uh, makes the Eastern one here a little bit larger. I think there's 21 part of the uh, Wayne County group. Right. That's the one that Thomas and I are in. Mm-hmm. And then I have combined the other group, and we primarily meet in the Cleveland area. Okay. But the, there we have pastors that drive two hours to come to Pastor Pier. Like Rob Esch from right. way over wherever he is in Pennsylvania, right? Spartansburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 Okay, so a Pastor Pier group is uh, is what? For our listeners who don't well, attend those. Well, it's a gathering, a monthly gathering of pastors, and I only facilitate them. So I make, I'm sort of the timekeeper, make sure they happen and make sure... Uh, things run, I call the timeouts. <laughs> right. But uh, right. so most of the groups are sort of self perpetuating and they do book studies and Bible studies and then, of course, share concerns and pray together. Okay. And at least our pastor peer group goes about three hours from nine to noon, uh, the second Wednesday of the month. But yeah, I mean, we're self perpetuating, but you bring us ideas, you bring us coffee, you <laughs> administrate emails. Like, there's, you know, there's more work to be done there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what else do you do? You you shepherd the you shepherd the pastors. You call us together in pastor peer. You we'll talk about the uh, the non regional pastor part of your role a little after that. But what else as regional pastor? Thomas sort of indicated one of the the bigger areas or the most time-consuming is uh, pastoral searches. Mm-hmm. And we've had, well, I generally say that 10% of the churches are in transition. So all the time or right now? Well, pretty I mean, much. I'll, okay. That's pretty much the average. So okay. 30 churches, you usually have three searches going on at any given right. time. Okay. So I, and the last year I've had actually more than that. I had like five. And then it, it did come calm down to about three, and now there's a couple ramping up again. Congregations looking for youth pastors and and other uh, staff people. Okay, give us an overview then of what what does a typical search process look like from from your chair? Maybe some of our listeners know what it looks like from a congregational standpoint, but what for the regional pastor? What's the search process look like? I think most congregations and maybe even outgoing, well, pastors outgoing, they don't care, but <laughs> the, the congregation thinks is a, it's a simple process of just finding another pastor, and within six months to a year, um, you have a new pastor. But we really don't see the processes that quick from my seat, and it's really much more of a discernment process than it is a hiring process. I mean, mm-hmm. if... If uh, it was just a hiring process, two or three people could get together and quickly hire someone. 
but it's a discernment process in discovering God's will for uh, finding good pastors. So it takes, depending on the situation, the one in Elyria, we've been looking for over two years for a part-time pastor. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things that it depends upon. Sure. So, so if you know a, a pastor is resigning, there's a, a process, a search process coming up, what would be kind of the, the steps you go through? What's the first thing you do with the people and the, what's your role look like in that process? Right. They are asked to form a search group of eight or nine people. And are, there, and are you involved right away? I mean, so are you helping with, I'm just thinking, okay, what's, what's the regional pastor's time and right. role look like? Do you have to tell them what a search group looks like and so help I, them see I that? start by pointing them to the, the denominational website because there's a lot of resources there, how to form a search group and, mm-hmm. and that whole process. So I don't have to sort of go with them step by step, but I give them the information and resources they need to start. And then I generally meet with them the first time, particularly to make sure it gets off to a good start. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining that uh, search committees are filled with human beings. And as a human being myself, I know not all human beings are really good at following rules and the order of things. So that's nice that you uh, could identify with your fellow. uh, Yeah. Well, I'm just another guy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So. I'm not sure you can even answer this. I'm not sure if you'd be allowed to answer this or be proper, but what do you do when a search committee doesn't want to play along the way that the way that our process is designed? Well, that's a great question. I mean, because that usually happens. Right. <laughs> that's what I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. So I guess at least some people say I'm pretty gentle about that. Uh, I'll let them do their thing, and but I'll continue to, to meet with them and encourage them and to take different steps sometimes, but sometimes I let them run and do their own thing. They may pursue a candidate that may not be uh, even qualified Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think they learn, they quickly learn, and it's really interesting how a search group will will become more cohesive and work together and and really understand a bit better what spiritual discernment is. Mm -hmm. So what what would you say is the biggest challenge facing the hiring and discerning process right now wow that's a great that's another good question (laughs) i mean i I just was together with uh, some of the uh, seminary uh, deans and uh, they said that for example eastern mennonite only has one graduate this year with an mdiv eastern mennonite seminary right and um, i don't know how many ambs seminary has but uh there's very few coming through our seminaries hmm. so to it, be the to do the pastoring degree right they'll come through with an ma a master of arts right. or something else but not the mdiv right yeah so i think one of the challenges is just to uh, find it's diff- a difficult time to anybody wanting to be a pastor i don't think i have to explain that but um i think <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> finding pastors is difficult, although there's a list of, of uh, available people. We have a, a registry which uh, probably has 40 or so people in there right now that are transitioning. And that's that the pastors MLI? who are looking for jobs, basically. Right. And we have how many openings? We have about five or six. <laughs> five, okay. Mm-hmm. So are those 48 in Ohio Conference in transition, or you mean 48 no. nationally? Nationally. Nationally, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. If that's the MLI you're referring to, the 48. 
Right. They, okay. they would be going through the National Registry and have their MLIs available for for conference ministers. And the MLI is, what's that, the Ministerial Minis- Leadership Information, information form. form, basically a resume. Right. And it's, I don't know, 100 pages long and asks all kinds of questions and there's essays and, <laughs> right? Not quite so, that long. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, detailed theological questions that you have to yeah. answer. We all have bad nightmarish memories every, that come up about every having pastor to- has nightmares about that form yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well that that helps for you to stay put you know instead of having to update that <laughs> exactly every, yeah every it's one of the well i think i think it's true about a, a church and a search committee too it's it's really hard to find a new pastor so you want to think long and hard before getting rid of your pastor <laughs> <laughs> and a pastor too it's hard to fill out that form and make a transition yeah. Okay, we feel like we've covered well the search process, and we know that's for our numbers people out there, could, what would you ballpark as a percentage of your time is is generally? I know it fluctuates depending on how many searches are, are happening, but I think that's over half your time? Or I n- haven't been able to nail that down. It comes and goes. Uh, depends how how diligent search groups are. If they're really diligent, they meet you know twice a month, and so... It does demand a, a lot of my time, but I wouldn't say it's even half. Okay. Yeah. Do you go to all of the search committee's meetings? Uh, I at least like to know one, and so if I'm available, I try to be there. Yep. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. What else is on your plate, Ralph? Well, I think uh, that's uh, some of it. The, there's a sort of an official capacity that I have as a regional pastor as well, and that means that I – I'm available for the installation of new pastors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think I've done five or six this past year. Along with the installations, there's ordinations. So after a, pa- a new pastor goes through the licensing process, which is uh, two to five years, working with our credentialing ministry team, we encourage congregations to invite them to be ordained, and then they have a special ordination service. So. So that's probably the fun part of the job. That right? is. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of one of the celebrations of yeah. my work. So what is your relationship with the credentialing body? We have a credentialing ministry team in Ohio Conference. Are you a part of that? Are you? No. I'm, I'm sort of as a, it's like an ex, ex officio member. Okay. So you're there, but um, you just kind so of observe. So I'm there when there's a interview for a new pastor. I, okay. I'm really there on behalf of the new pastor. Okay. Uh, representing and making sure that the process is uh, careful and well uh, worked out. So who provides the leadership for the credentialing ministry? Well, there's there's a chairperson, and the chairperson is on the, the leadership team. Okay, and that's Andy Stoner right, right. now. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So I, I'm there for, for interviews and that kind of thing, and, and I've also been wearing the conference minister's hat. So uh, I have been there quite a bit. Okay. For the sexual misconduct, because we've had two of those in the past year. Right. So I also come to process that because that's a major part of the credentialing team. Okay. So I'm sure that's a, a time consuming job there. You just you mentioned the sexual misconduct policy. Um, I'm, those type of things probably require a lot of energy and time. They do, yeah. But that's not typically your role, right? You're stepping into that because we don't have a conference that, minister. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And and also, um, 
there's hope that that can be outsourced to kind of some some professionals within our Ohio conference geographical area. Right. Um, so sure. maybe, maybe that can be something that a regional pastor or conference minister wouldn't necessarily have to be investing all the time and energy into. But that's not, that's not the, what we're podcasting about today. Let's circle back to some of the the, the nuts and bolts of, of your job. Then, so you you don't have an office. You don't have a, a corner office with your name on the door anywhere, right? That's that's right. You're to see my office. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I so I work out of my home, and um, and it, it's pretty basic in terms of um, we use our own computers and phones and all that. You know, we're not necessarily provided with that, so. I mean, they, we do turn in expenses, but the conference does provide us a car, which okay. is great. And I've been driving the Honda for, I just saw it's time for an oil change again, <laughs> 230 some thousand on it. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so that's, you've put on 230,000, no. but, but, it, but it's, that's been all regional pasture work. That's, right. Yeah. And how many years has that taken? I don't. I don't really know. Two, I don't even three. know who who <laughs> were the previous drivers of the car. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so many so, miles get put on. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So for those listeners who might not understand the whole idea of giving a conference person a car, there's a reason that we give you a car, right? Well, it's much more cost efficient. Right. Yeah, it's to, cheaper to give him a car than right. it is to pay miles. S- yeah. Especially right. when you By drive. Lot. Old yeah. cars with lots yeah. of miles. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, don't worry. Conference is not just throwing money around and giving <laughs> no, out well, That's kind cars. of what I was going for. Actually, though, like, I don't even know like that a... side. I know uh, car dealers have been very gracious to Ohio Conference. So, okay. there's, yeah. There's so, some, it might even be extra cheaper. There's yeah. deals mm-hmm. behind the scene yeah. that right. you know, I don't even know about. So, right. But mm-hmm. I think in general, even if you drive a certain amount of miles a year, it's far less expensive for the company to lease or buy a car. Oh, yeah. If you think and, that and the IRS that. rate is 52 and a half cents a mile or, or something, 54, 56, 56. Someone can do the math on that. I can't, yeah. but I know there's a threshold yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. We just want, I don't know that we need all of that in there, but yeah, I, just didn't, I don't want, I don't want people thinking like we're, we need, you know, to throw a bone to our numbers people yeah. out there. Yeah. So Ralph's going to go get into his Mercedes. <laughs> right. Con- yeah. Con- at conference expense. So, Ralph, I remember a time when I said some things in my congregation and the elders contacted you <laughs> because they wanted to know what to do with me. And, I mean, it wasn't as bad as that. It wasn't It wasn't that bad. But we're not the first ones to ever do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, Ralph, have my elders ever contacted you? <laughs> no. I don't believe they have. They have them on speed dial. <laughs> For this season of my life, I really enjoy this role because of the flexibility and also because it allows me to share a lot of my experience. Right. But one of the downsides is being available 24-7. Sure, yeah. And so you get calls and emails night and day. And um, many times it is the loudest, you know, squeak gets the attention. But I think um, you just call, called me the loudest squeak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, nickname, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think yeah. many times, like your example, the elders do have questions and they, they feel like they have a place, to, a resource to go to. Yeah. And, and our elders found that very helpful. Yeah. And I believe our elders here at Orville have utilized the gift of regional pastor over the years a number of times for good and hard things. Yeah. Uh, and that has been very helpful. 
My hunch is though that not every congregation utilizes that this resource. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. There there are some yeah. congregations that are on the margins, you know, margins look geographically and uh-huh. also maybe not as connected that I have to pursue them and they're that they're probably the, the larger challenge, you know, to be able to even have contact with them once a year because they don't even show up at ACA or right. have any formal contact with with the conference. So so it does sound like a congregation because we all have folks in our churches like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds normal. Yeah. So what would you say then is is the highlight of your job? What do you what do you enjoy most? Wow. Besides <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> driving. Besides, <laughs> driving. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I think finding new pastors, like right now I'm really excited about, we have a number of pastors who are coming in from outside the, our denomination. Hmm. It's both a challenge and a joy to to see the excitement that they bring to uh, be Anabaptists and to, um, to come on board and, and mentor them. So some of those pastors are coming because of where Ohio Conference, where we're at, where we're standing for, oh. which is the opposite of what we often think. Right, all right. So I think that's probably the biggest joy to to work with young and new pastors. In the position that you're at and just the way you know Ohio Conference, what would you say is is the pulse of Ohio Conference? How do you feel about where Ohio Conference is at and where we're going? And just Bill and I kind of operate in our little silos and and our churches and and you, just by your position, have a very different view. So what would your view of Ohio Conference be right now? Well, I think... Uh, as a conference, we're at a much better place than we were a couple years ago. It's calmer and settled, I think are the words I use. Uh, I mean, there are still congregational members who are unhappy or who have been migrating, shifting around a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so there's still a bit of unsettledness, but we're at a much better place. I think one of the things that I... I uh, hope we don't lose track of is a lot of other conferences look to Ohio as being the forerunner of things mm-hmm. and of stability. Really? I mean, in terms of how we have been organized and how we do things. So they still look to us. So if I go to meetings, you know, <laughs> they, a little they're scary. interested in what we're doing. <laughs> Bill and I just looked at each other very questioningly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like, feel like really. A- <laughs> Well, I think so. it's easy to lose perspective of of uh, what we're doing and who we are. So yeah. I think we have to remember our past and try to put our best foot forward. Yeah. Well, Ralph, thank you for uh, joining us this morning for Ohio Conference Cast. We appreciate a glimpse into your role, and even more, we appreciate uh, your wisdom and uh, your dedication and your faithfulness uh, to us personally, because you are our pastor, uh, but also for Ohio Conference. (laughs) And thanks to all of our listeners uh, for joining us for another installment of Ohio Conference Cast. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Ohio Conference Cast. We would like to hear from you. You can email us at ohioconferencecast at gmail.com with any topics or questions you would like us to explore. 